Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of your favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Back everybody, Kevin back in the saddle again with Mike. Howdy ho! For a brand new episode of uh, Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, we're going to start on a brand new movie as well, and one that's near and dear to both of our hearts. We're talking about uh, Arnold, the man himself, in Conan the Barbarian. Love this film. It's a 1982 Arnold Schwarzenegger, John Milius. Uh, written by Oliver Stone. Written by Oliver Stone, yeah. It was basically, I, it's not the one that put Arnold on the map, but it was the first big movie role he he starred in. You know, he'd yeah. done a couple, at this point, he was basically known for uh, being a weightlifter. Like, he had won, like, Mr. Olymp- Olympia several years in a row. But this is the movie where he was like, I'm going to be a legit actor now. Right, like, he had been famous before just for being Arnold Schwarzenegger, but this one, like, sort of, showed the world that he's also a movie star. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was going to say maybe not so much as acting chops, but, <laughs> but he can hold, he's got charisma. On yeah. It, that, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Like Arnold can just say the silliest thing on, on film. And it's like, Oh, that's, that's so cool. You know? And I don't know if it's because <laughs> of his accent or his kind of like, he's um, just, he's got a lot of charisma and personality. I think it comes through. Yeah. Um, so I was like a tiny little one year old when this movie came out, but this is one of the movies it's almost my earliest memory as a human being is my dad sneaking me in to watch this movie on TV, like on TBS one morning. And he's like, don't tell your mom that I let you watch this. And, uh, and I wonder if you even got the full effect watching it on regular TV. instead. Uh, probably of, I'm, not. Yeah, I think it was I saw still violent. I saw it on HBO for the first uh-huh. time. So I, I saw the violence. Saw I saw the yeah. blood and the gore and the sex scenes and the, and the boobies and all that stuff <laughs> like that. And I wonder if you got that full effect the first time you saw it on TBS. I, I knew it was unlike any of the stuff I had watched in my life prior to that. Cause it was like, Whoa, this is like people are getting smashed with axes and hammers and swords and whatever else. But, um, before we get like to the nuts and bolts of the movie, we should talk a little bit about the men behind the movie. Cause this had some legendary dudes associated with them, with the film. Absolutely. Um, the cast was great. You had James Earl Jones, Darth Vader, yeah, um, so James Earl Jones, like he had already been a, uh, nominated for an Academy Award at this point. He had mm-hmm. done, uh, I think he had done a Great White Hope, or I think he was nominated for uh, Best Actor in that film. Yeah. So, I mean, this this movie is so funny to me because I would have always thought this was kind of like a throwaway B movie, that one of those movies they made in Italy for like really cheap, and they just were like, let's make a you know a quick turn and make some money. <laughs> yeah. But no, this has got like legit. Actors. Max von Sydow, who I feel like also probably was Oscar nominated. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Uh, legit actors. It had legit uh, screenwriter. Oliver Stone was uh, one of the screenwriters for this, and he had done Midnight Express, which was nominated for four Academy Awards and won two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he did... Right after this, he had Scarface. Yeah, and he had Scarface directly after this movie. So 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, this he was a big deal. He was hot. Uh, Milius was like a hot commodity at the time. Can you can you picture like John Milius and and Oliver Stone like in a room like drinking scotch and like smoking <laughs> cigars while they're writing this film? It's too macho, like man's man yeah, type yeah. of dudes. You know, um, Milius, he was like he's sort of famous for being a gun lover. I think he had a role in the NRA. Um, his movies tend to be a little right wing type feel to them. You know, he had um, his bio says he had tried to enlist in the Marines because he during Vietnam, he wanted to go to war, but he was rejected on medical grounds. Mm, but his films, probably <laughs> it seems like from his films, like he has a fascination with the military and warfare and stuff like that. Like some of his other films were um, he wrote Dirty Harry, he yeah. wrote Magnum Force. Mm-hmm. He wrote and directed Red Dawn. He wrote Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I, did, I, I remember looking at the notes and thinking, I was like, this dude did Red Dawn? Like, I remember that movie. Yeah, like, that was like in this very much like a Reagan, like America's the best yeah. type movie. He wrote the USS. <laughs> down with the Red. Yeah, he wrote the USS Indianapolis speech from Jaws, the one Quint gives about the ship being sunk and the sharks coming and eating all the sailors. I feel like the 70s and 80s had a lot of guys that had seen war in person and mm-hmm. came back and like wrote all these great screenplays because yeah. of all their adventures and everything they had seen. He's less successful as a director than he was as a writer. Um, apparently he's friends with the Coen brothers and that the character of Walter from Big Lebowski is based on oh, John Milius, okay. which his look now that when I read that, I was like, well, he looks just like John Milius. Walter played by John Goodman and Lebowski looks just like John Milius. Yeah, I can see But that. he's also very much like, uh, you know, making Nam references and stuff like that. And just like very over the top and very. Yeah. Yeah. And Milius had a stroke in 2010 that pretty much incapacitated him for a while. He's apparently recovered and is still alive, but he doesn't really work much anymore. Okay. Um, Yeah. Like you said, Oliver Stone had written some great movies and then he went on to be even maybe more renowned as a director, right? Oh, absolutely. Like uh, Wall Street, Platoon. Platoon. Yeah, he did a lot of, he's done a lot of Salvador. He had like Born on the Fourth of July, JFK. Yeah, he's definitely known for his movies. Like late 80s, early 90s, he was was as successful as there was. Um, he, he also was a dude who dropped out of college and enlisted in the army to go fight in Vietnam. Now, did, did he drop out of Yale? I yeah. know he went to Yale, but he, he dropped, dropped out of out Yale. Of Yale and went to, so he was that to guy. enlist in the army. So in Platoon, he was basically that character. Yeah, it was autobiographical. He I think. dropped out of, or he didn't want to go to college and was like, I'm going to go to Nam. This would be another. And the thing about Oliver Stone is I feel like he's kind of left wing. Like he's, it's, this would make for an interesting podcast by itself. You know, you had Milius who wanted to go to war, but never got to combat. And then you had stone who wanted to go to war and got to combat and was wounded as like purple hearts and stuff like that. And the guy who never actually saw combat is like a right wing kind of war hawk guy. And the guy who did see combat is like, Peace. And peace. I, well, I'm pretty you know? sure it's because he saw combat. Yeah. Like, and that's I don't, interesting. I don't know if we're getting too far off the uh, subject. Well, let's get back on this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had D- Dino, like helming up the whole thing, Dino yeah. De Laurentiis, who was like legendary Italian producer. Yeah, over like 500 movies to his Yeah, credits. it's insane. 5,000, like uh, hundreds of Academy Awards. But now most of his movies are like kind of pulpy, oh, yeah. exploitation type I flicks. I mean, he's got to pay the rent, you know. <laughs> he didn't have too many like 
award type like movies that were gunning for awards but he had stuff like raw deal maximum overdrive flash gordon as we mentioned yeah um orca which is like a terrible jaws knockoff yeah, the, the killer whale i remember that he did the 1976 king kong um you know he he did barbarella <laughs> like he does all types of whatever just, he, yeah, he, he likes is, to make a buck exactly you know? which, which is exactly why this i would have just thought this was a throwaway B movie that they filmed, like because it was like a Dino De Laurentiis produced, mm-hmm. and I, don't, I you know, it, one of those Italian de- producers. Yeah, but oh, this is like a legit film. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> Funny really enough. they and Arnold had not really done any sort of big budget type movie at this point. Like this was a project that was put together specially for him, which makes it more interesting to me that they obviously spent like a lot of money doing this on a star that wasn't really like a bankable guy at that point in his career yet. You so know? this movie was made for Arnold? Like this yeah, was a project for had, him? They had been developing it for years. Like I read a thing that said that Arnold's long hair in the movie is his real hair and that he had been growing it out since 1979 for Conan. Mm-hmm. So it had been, you know, two or three years in the making. Oh, I, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it kept going through different directors, different writers until they finally figured out what to do, but... And now I guess we can move on to the actual film itself here. So the film opens with this quote from Nietzsche, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. Yeah. Which I feel like is a little strange just because it's anachronistic. Like you're taking a movie that's supposed to be set in like some sort of prehistoric time. And then you're putting like a more 20th century quote to lead it off. I just felt like that's a little strange. Like if you yeah. had a Christopher well, Columbus movie with a... You know, with a, like with a, a modern quote with an Eminem lyric in there or something. Like <laughs> exactly. That. No, I see what you're saying, but I think that that can a can a quote trans, transcend time? Like, can it go forwards and backwards? Uh, I would say it's it's the thing that you know. Obviously, that thought that which does not kill us makes us stronger is like a theme in the movie. It's the central theme. It's like the movie. an inspiration. Yeah, and so like they uh, start the movie off with this quote and then the very first thing you see is them creating a sword you know yeah. like uh, th- like the um Conan's father is hammering out this sword and he holds it up in the air because it, and it's like glowing red hot so he had yes. just forged it it's and a really I, cool opening credit yeah, yeah. Sequence. and I think he starts hammering away at it and then he plunges it into the to the the ground to cool it off but and that's the whole thing is like they're comparing Conan the character to steel and they're saying that you know we're gonna beat you we're gonna do hammer you we're gonna toughen you up and mm-hmm. then at the very end you're going to be just as strong as steel yeah and that seems to be like the overarching like the familius like that was what it was all about like steel is strong you yeah, know? yeah steel is true um it also had that makeover or uh, sorry makeover <laughs> mako voiceover yeah at the beginning where he's giving like some background on the era yeah the time and it's like it's all pretty much unimportant he's like after atlantis yeah. and all this stuff it's- but what's weird is that it's Mako, a character from the movie's voice, talking to us as if it's the present, like many, many years ago, all this stuff happened, you know, yeah. centuries mm-hmm. ago. But back during back in time, this happened, this story. Yeah. Happened so is Mako master, yeah. ageless? Like he's referring because he's in the story centuries ago as well. No. And he's referring to it as centuries. No, ago. I don't think he's ageless. I think he's just telling the story like after it happened, like because, uh, you know, skipping way ahead at the very end of the movie, you have that one scene where they uh, go into the future and Conan's like this, this king. king. Yeah. So, so he's jumping I, around in time. Yeah. Bit. So I think it's totally fine that, that Mako does the narration in the present of wherever he's talking, because 
He's just he's just telling us. I mean, it happens all the time. He's just telling yeah. a story. Now, one of the interesting things I think about him doing the narration is originally Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to do the narration, and they they thought that his accent was so thick and so heavy that they were <laughs> like they just scrapped that idea and just had Mako do the narration. I could see that because when you're asking Arnold to act with just his voice, like you can't even see him and his his body language and all that stuff. Then I think his acting is really shaky. Yeah. You know, and that's asking a lot for a newcomer to not yeah. only act in this film, but to also narrate the whole plot. I mean, you know, this guy is not Arnold is not a trained actor. Yeah, well, You know, he was just a guy who got in, had the door swung open for him because he was a celebrity. But that's, what, that's the thing I like about Arnold Schwarzenegger the most is he's not a trained actor, but he's like, you know what? You put me in this scene. I'm just going to muscle my way through it. Like, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> and it's going to come out great and it's going to work. I, I really have always appreciated about him. So we got this father son moment where it's a young Conan talking with his dad, who is maybe like the chief or something like that of their community or village or whatever, or the, or the, uh, the stone, uh, the, yeah. the steel master. Or, yeah. Or something. yeah. He's saying, you know, you, tr- steel is strong, like steel you can trust or trust only steel. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be kind of the philosophy of the movie, right? As we said, or that's like their religion, perhaps well, like it, the, the worshiping Krom. Yeah. Cause he introduces Krom as their God, which is a, a fictional God. I I'm never, I didn't see it in anywhere yeah it seems but, like um, yeah but i thought but uh, this is you have to remember like this is like pre not prehistoric they're not cavemen you know they're like pagans this is like medieval times i uh, i suppose and these are like barbarians it's not far after cavemen probably as soon as they started working with metal like you well, know give or take a thousand something years <laughs> <laughs> but um the whole point is like you can't trust you, you can't trust your next door neighbor you can't trust you know your wife you can't trust your friend you can't trust this animal, you know, yeah. you have to trust this steel like, because it's this is the like only thing that's going to get your back. You know, it's like trust the sword in your hand. Exactly, because it's the only true thing. Um, it's kind of bleak, you know. But I'm you sure they lived in a bleak <laughs> world, like <laughs> as the next scene shows. Also, just technically, the green screen on this scene is really bad. That must have been like the early, early days of of green screen. There's like a stormy sort of sky behind them, but it's just. A bad special effect. They might have added that scene it, later. You know, it, it doesn't pop out to me only because I think the scene looks so cool because they're basically sitting on top of a mountain. It's kind of stylized. Yeah, yeah. They're sitting on a mountaintop. We give it a pass. And his and his fat father is telling him a story. Uh, his father is played by William Stone. And for all you uh, Clint Eastwood fans out there, William Stone is uh, in Any Which Way But Loose, I believe. The second Any Which Way movie. Okay. And he plays like the the... I guess the bad guy in that film, he's the one that Clint Eastwood gets into like a, a fight with. He what? also plays a uh, commander in Red Dawn. So, okay. One of the bad guys. Yeah. One of the bad guys. So this guy was like, he was known to be a bodybuilder. As he well. was a bodybuilder. There's a lot of bodybuilders uh, yeah. it, for obvious reasons in this film. But uh, yeah, William Smith, man, this dude's like spoke seven different dialects of Russian or something. I feel like, like that. on the commentary, he said 17 or something crazy like it's that. It's like, yeah. which those languages are, are probably similar. This dude was like but, a CIA Russian operative or yeah, something. This like guy's that. like the real deal. I, I never, I'm not familiar with him really other than from this. I just know him from, any which way but loose or it's either any which way but loose or any which way you can and also from red dawn those are the two movies that i know him from Mm -hmm. he did a lot of early tv like westerns and stuff like that now we go from that scene to james earl jones and his his band of bad guys like raiding conan's village 
and they basically kill everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very good cinematography when they're riding up, like these hazy forest, like shafts of light coming through the trees and mm-hmm, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Great music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, if you want to talk a little bit about Thulsa Doom, they mentioned in a commentary that, uh, and I thought this was really interesting because it always stuck out to me, but I never like kind of put one and one together. Uh-huh. But they basically wanted to make Thulsa Doom look kind of, not androgynous, but I, well, I forget what he said. He said like a, 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 like, like a race that was had vanished from the earth. Yeah. So because like, he has like long straight hair long and blue straight, eyes. As he, a black male, he has long yeah. straight hair and he has blue eyes. So he has like white features on a black male. He did look like a different yeah species. Something you or, never really not a person you really seen before. So it kind of yeah. stuck out like. Um, and I could kind of see where that would fit into this world. You know? All his boys are kind of rocking the same haircut. Oh, yeah. It's him, like, short bangs they, they, and uh, long, straight hair. They look like a heavy metal band, like <laughs> early 80s, like, Thelsa Dooms. And I'm sure, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, a heavy metal band called Thelsa Doom. Oh, that's a there. good band name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his main two dudes were Ben Davidson, who's, like, a six-foot-eight former NFL player. Mm-hmm. Like, just a big, massive dude. And then he had his boy, Arnold's guy. Yeah, Sven yeah. Ole Thorson. I wonder if this is the first time they met. or had they, No, I think they, they knew, knew each other from the bodybuilding circuit. Yeah, I can see that. I, can see I think he's like, I got some guys for you. Gotcha. One of that, the dude who runs up when they're about to raid the town and who perches on top of a rock for a minute, that's like this little Italian bodybuilder who was in Pumping Iron. Franco Colombo. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he was Arnold's best friend or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. A lot of, lot of bodybuilders. And I, it's hard to believe that, I don't know if Arnold had that much pull to get his boys into the movie or they just really needed a bunch of big hulking type characters to play barbarians which i can see both it seems like everybody loves arnold yeah like yeah. him and milius are still buddies uh i saw a thing where him and james Earl jones became good friends like i feel like arnold's just a guy that when you meet him you fall in love with him well listening to the commentary he makes like this really offhanded joke about <laughs> richard simmons and it's like man that was endearing you know it's like, yeah he made it he took something horrible yeah yeah we're not gonna repeat and he and he laughs about it and i and i found myself laughing <laughs> about it too and i was like oh it's just like arnold that's why you know he got away with sleeping with his maid and like, yeah. he, he's like the governor of california like ah just arnold you know <laughs> so in this battle sequence you got um conan's dad gets like an, an axe in the back and then these dogs come in and just like tear them apart yeah that's a bad way that's to crazy that's, man that was some violence in this scene. harsh man um and then they're sort of passing conan's dad's sword around amongst them like examining the fine craftsmanship or whatever which i feel like is very relevant even though they never make a mention of like that the sword is part of conan's quest or whatever i just feel like it's part of his motivation because you keep seeing it over and over again throughout yeah. the film. And I don't, yeah, I was about to say, I don't remember if we see the, him with us. I don't remember if Conan gets the sword later on in the film. At I feel the like they very, set it up very like they end. Do. Yeah. I, I wanted to give a quick um, piece of trivia about Ben Davison. Did you know he was in behind the green door? Nah, he played a, he played a, like a doorman in that. Do you, do you, do you know what that movie is? Is it one of the like original porn? Yeah, it's like one of those early seventies, <laughs> like you know when porn was cool, like cheap <laughs> porn or whatever. So he was playing a doorman in behind okay. the door, which I I just I saw that in the in the notes last night. I was, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool because you know <laughs> now if you did that now, that would ruin your career. Well, it's but, like him and um, what's our guy, the the Native American actor, Sonny Lanham. Sonny Lanham. You guys from porn to like Sylvester Stallone action. 
Stallone did? Stallone did a porn? Oh, yeah. What movie? It was called, they renamed it The Italian Stallion, but he did like a, <laughs> it wasn't like a porn porn. It was like a softcore porn. Okay. It was like, a, like what's that, uh, Red Shoe Diaries or something okay. like that. Okay. But I think he does, it has a complete huh. nude scene in, in Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. So they, uh, Thulsa Doom, James Earl Jones, he's like sort of hypnotizes Conan's mom with his eyes almost like they just have this long scene where they're staring back and forth at each other. And then he turns his back on her and then he swings around and like chops her head off with Conan's father's sword. And that's a very cinematic moment when the, when the head comes falling down, it's like a low shot. So you don't see the violence. You just see like a hair and a head drop down and the body falls away. And it's just like young Conan shocked face. Yeah. That always was a powerful moment for me when I was little. So I, I think this from a, from a technical standpoint, this scene is really similar to Jaws. I mean, you mentioned Jaws earlier. Mm -hmm. So um, in Jaws, they were they totally planned on showing the shark a lot more than they did. But the shark just didn't work. Right. So in this one here, this one scene, they were supposed to show Thulsa Doom chopping off her head. But they said that they made a bunch of like plastic dummy heads and stuff. And it just didn't look right. And it just didn't look real. Wow. So they decided to just cut her head off screen. And, and it's, it's a much more impactful scene when they don't yeah. show it. For me, when I think of this movie, like that's the shot that I think of for this movie because it's it's like burned into my brain. It was such a well uh, framed shot and like everything about it was perfect. It's like a much more powerful moment to not see the violence, I think. Yeah. And the kid really sells it. His name is Jorge Sanz, I believe. And he's actually still acting today. Now, he huh. does a lot of Spanish films yeah. and everything but yeah he he really sells that moment like the despair in his face and the how scared he looks i think basically every actor in this movie who doesn't have speaking lines is spanish just because they filmed in spain yeah yeah yeah. and they're yeah. not gonna like bring in people who to not even speak you know what i mean so um conan's mother is she's got she's like a madonna like she's her name is like the Duska or something like oh, that. One name person. Yeah, like a one name, like share. Okay. Was she a model or something? She was a model. I mean, yeah, I can I mean, see that. She's lovely. Her. She's gorgeous. Like, you know, born in Germany, probably moved to Spain just to kind of like drink wine all day <laughs> and stuff like that. Became okay. a model, and then they ended up filming it, you know, yeah. putting her in this movie. So we got young Conan here, who's sort of in shock, but he's like really like noticing the shit out of their symbol. Thulsa Doom and his group, which is like these two snakes sort of looking at each other like uh, and they're sort of connected at the tail, I guess. But we know just from how much attention he's paying to it, that it must be something that's going to be relevant. Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't even notice that they were snakes at first. I just yeah, I didn't I didn't even put that together until later on. Okay. Like, I, I didn't like that one scene. I was like, I did just like I didn't think they were snakes until after I found out what happens uh. with the character. So they Conan, they take him and some other children from the village and they sort of enslave them and they're marching them off like, you know, in a line all shackled up or whatever. To me, there's just there's no reason to leave these kids alive. Like after you kill, like you're asking for people to come along later wanting revenge, right? Yeah. Like uh, what was it in um, uh, Godfather 2 yeah. where he wants to kill young, young Vito, Vito Corleone. Yeah. Like, he has a legit why reason. Not? Yeah. Like he's like, you might come back and get me. When he grows <laughs> up, he's going to grow he up does. strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, why would you, but I, I think I, that's their source of income for one is like yeah. selling slaves. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. You would pillage a village. I mean, these kids are so young though. Like you could, yeah. you could, um, 
you can kill the village. I'm sure this happened before you kill all the, the mothers and the fathers in the village and then you take all the kids and then yeah. you inundate them into your society and they have nobody else. So they are, they're totally afraid. <laughs> and then they grow up being like the chief of that new society. You know, I'm sure it yeah. happens all the time, but we know what <laughs> happens with them. That I'll just say it's happens. a, if you're ever pillaging a village, that's a risky move. Kill the kids to leave them alive. <laughs> no, no to any as long as you're killing a hundred people. Okay. Don't, I wouldn't, I would leave no survivors to come later for revenge. That's all I'm saying. No, yeah. But <laughs> humans are a resource, so you can make money off of them. So what would be the whole reason of pillaging a, a community? If I, you're not going to use the resources. I feel there? like he, at some point, this is jumping later into the movie, but I feel like he says he was just gathering steel like uh weapons and whatnot from the villagers who are extra good at making weapons or something but you know it's just i guess that's their source of income is what raiding what resources they can and this wasn't like they were raiding like some large city like they were just raiding like a a outpost like peaceful group of people like there was really no reason to even raid them whatsoever like they could have traded with them but they were just showing their power and their might like they were just a deranged like sect of the religion they're like a cult or whatever that's on the rise Mm -hmm. after they uh don't kill all the kids which they it's gonna (laughs) come back and haunt them folks yeah (laughs) they take them to the will of pain which is this giant like basically a grain mill out in the middle of like the desert somewhere i I, I, and i didn't see this and i wish i looked it up but did you know if they really built that as a set yeah or was that they they really built that they had a i was watching the documentary that's on the dvd and they had the guy who built the wheel said that it was so well balanced and so well built that it was really easy to push oh really like so that they had to off camera have like crew members pushing against Arnold to make it look like he was no straining way. to push it. Yeah, because it was so well balanced that you could just shove it and That's it would funny. sort of spin. So I wonder if they, you know how sometimes they make a, they make a movie, they build a set, and then they just leave the set uh, there yeah. for the people That'd to That would be awesome use if it. they did. So if, they, if that's still there and like today is like <laughs> a giant mill grain that they're making all this like bread and stuff uh-huh. from. But yeah, so they take the uh, kids to this uh, this mill grain and they shackle young Conan to the wheel uh-huh. and they start pushing it. Okay, so this is kind of like now a montage of um, the seasons as uh, Conan grows. Like he yeah. he starts off, at, I don't know, how old is that kid? Like 12? What do you I think? would say he was maybe 10. Yeah, so he's a young kid, right? Young kid, yeah. And, and he grows into Conan. Now, uh, it's weird to me that they never have anybody else push that will with them because oh they're not adding new they're not people. adding people like yeah. when somebody dies off they just add it because they seem like they've been raiding a lot of villages at this yeah. time so they've probably got a surplus of people they could just plant onto the will <laughs> you would think so or even people that were in their own religion that were being punished and they would just like throw them to the will but for whatever reason they do like this montage of all the seasons and then uh-huh. it turns and they do like a this is a great introduction to a character where they yes have that uh that shot that like mid shot of Conan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, like raising up his head to see him have see him as an adult. Seems like he's probably like a 10 year old. And then he's maybe like a 16 or 17 year old. And then he's an adult. And you say that hair is real. I thought that was, they said it it looks really bad. Doesn't it? It's like, it's like if that's his hair is a bad, I feel like later in the movie, his hair is shorter. And I wonder if they meant that when his hair was long, but 
not that long that that was real. Yeah. I don't know, but I assumed it was a wig because it looked so bad. Yeah, but then they were talking about him growing it out for years to, yeah. in preparation for this role. Yeah, I, don't uh, I don't know. But the the thing is, like, what they show is that this guy has been pushing this will for like years, years right? And so he's now this he's massive like <laughs> bodybuilder, like. That's all, like, I, I was thinking, like, did he never do anything else? Like, he obviously had to have downtime. They probably just fed him food. And fed him food and just, like, go push the wheel. and chicken and, and So they fed him the good wheel. then. I, you got to have the protein, man. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, like, to me, in the whole movie, this is the most effective bit of filmmaking is the way they crafted this montage. Mm-hmm. Just because that's such a great montage. Yeah. Like, it's snowing and then it's summertime again and whatever. And, the you know, he's getting older and all the others are disappearing yeah. like assume, dropping dead or whatever it is they even like show, he's only the strong survive you know like yeah. he's the best of the best and if i'm not mistaken they even show where he's walking at the groove where he's walking gets yeah. deeper yeah so it's like cool. he's, he's been there for a long time how many miles do you think you walked on that thing? oh man i can't like <laughs> i can't even i can't even do the math on that like <laughs> like we're talking like Obviously, he started off as a little kid, right? And then when they showed him, he was an adult. But that's, yeah. we're talking like 20 years. 20 years, we're right? Like, we're talking like think. Jesus type. At least 15. Oh, yeah, like a long time. Like, I don't know how <laughs> Arnold was when he, it was early in Arnold's career. So he's probably, I don't know, like late 20s when yeah, he filmed Yeah, he could have been 30 maybe. Yeah. So he went from being like a 13-year-old. Literally, this is like a Jesus story. Like he went from being like the little kid and then he goes dis- he disappears for a long time and then he comes back as Jesus Conan. I do feel like he was probably were supposed to believe Conan's like early 20s at mm-hmm. this time even though Arnold was older. But, you know, still you're right. It's been at least 10 to 15 years oh, yeah. he's, he's been, pushing this thing that's a long time there he pushed <laughs> so Arnold said on the making of that it was super cold when they were filming this you know because you see him pushing in the snow and everything else and he's wearing basically a loincloth <laughs> so they, he was they were just feeding him a steady diet of like tea with schnapps oh yeah mixed in. <laughs> and I just love the thought of Arnold like drunk drunk Arnold <laughs> pushing this wheel yeah 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 um, yeah I can I can totally see that uh, so then we got this dude with the big red hair, big red beard comes and sort of takes him off the wheel. Mm-hmm. Who looks just like his dad. Like, it, and if yeah, you're, if you're not a redhead version. Yeah, if you're not looking real, if you're kind of just glancing at the movie, uh-huh. you would think that that was his, his father. And I don't know if they did that. I don't know if they did that on purpose. Like they wanted to have his new master be like a father figure mm-hmm. to him. Or they just like hired a guy that just so happens to look like William Smith. So the dude also, I thought, looked like the main wildling from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like the redhead. Yeah, Tormund. Tormund, yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. early Tormund. Maybe that's Tormund's dad in real life. (laughs) All those European actors, you never know. So when he rolls up on him, like the the redheaded dude and the dude who's like supervising the wheel, they do the weirdest like handshake. Where they like just sort of softly press their palms together. Uh, yeah, I don't, it was just odd. I don't remember that, but I mean, um, it does like those times. So, like, I'm sure you have clans that yeah. you have to have special handshakes with. So then they take they take Conan and they basically he doesn't really know what's going on and they just put him next to like a pit and tell him to wait. And then they bring in this other dude like Will like, Chamberlain. Like, doesn't he look like Will Chamberlain? A little bit, but he wasn't that tall. I know, but it's like, 
I was like, did they give Wilt uh, a well, scene Wilt in this destroyer, movie? Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, they gave, did they give Wilt a scene in this movie and <laughs> we just didn't have. know it? And then they, like, oh, Wilt, you were so good in the first movie. Let's just put you in the second and expand your character. This dude had, like, his teeth were filed into, like, sharp, you know, fangs or whatever. It was pretty gross. And I, I don't think Conan really knew what was going on. No. Mm-mm. But um, they basically just throw him in there and the dude jumps on him and there it's a fight to the death. So this is kind of one of those, like, nature versus nurture things, like, uh, if you put somebody out in the wild, will they survive on their own without being taught? So this yeah. is what they were. They were just like, oh yeah. They were like, look, you're gonna. We're just gonna throw you in a pit, and you have to figure it out. Like I don't know if that's. I don't know if that guy. So they don't really talk about it, but I don't know if that guy paid good money for Conan when he like if was he like a bar, bargain well, basement slave because so, he been pushing that will for like so, 13, 14 years, right? So a thing I noticed. This is like proof that you notice something new every single time you watch. A thing I noticed this time was the whole time when he's a gladiator, he's fighting like underneath the sigil of like the wheel. Oh, they have like a wheel up on this up on a post that they carry mm-hmm. around with him, and he's got this wheel of pain medallion on. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe it was like less of a slave situation than it was of like a this is how we train our guy, and when we get the strongest guy left, then we take him and make him a fighter. Yeah, and I never got the sense that it was. I, I thought it was. Like you said first, you like it was so. to, just to grind their grain or whatever. Okay. I never got the sense that they were training him to be some the gladiator. Fact that he's like fighting underneath that sigil of a wheel, like makes me think that maybe that's like their clan, you know, like they, but at any rate. I mean, that's some like <laughs> Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, like uh-huh. uh, wax on, wax off type of training. That'd be brutal training. Yeah, like that's a weird way to like train somebody. I mean, it's just basically strength training because you're not training him yeah. on the so All that stuff came later, you know. See, I think then they throw him into a fight. And if he survives the fight, then they'll train him up some more to yeah. be a fighter. But wouldn't it have been cool like to see a scene where Conan is like, oh, so he was a kid when he got on the wheel. Let's say we see a scene like five years later and they're like having uh, lunch or dinner or something like mm-hmm. that. And Conan gets into a fight with another kid because he stole his food or yeah. like that would be. And then they're like, oh, OK, that's a guy we need to keep an eye on right there. I don't I don't think they got a whole lot of breaks from the wheel. They probably fed him while they were pushing. Oh, you had to sleep, though. Yeah, you had to sleep. There's no way they were <laughs> pushing that wheel 24 seven. But so he Conan does get beat up by this dude for a little bit. But then he sort of he gets his feet under him and he and he takes the guy out with just brute strength. And he doesn't kill him, though, right? He just knocks uh, him out. Basically. I think he broke his neck. Oh, he yeah. Like, sort he, of twisted his neck. Is that what he punched him and punched up or something? I think like that? so. Yeah. Um, and this was probably in his career, like the first time we got to hear that trademark like Arnold grunting and screaming. He's like, (laughs) it's just funny. It makes me laugh every time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Conan's kind of a natural at fighting. Like we, now we get a montage where he's, you know, he's getting more and more like weapons and he's fighting bigger and badder looking dudes, but he's taking them all out. But still no training or not really like the, the, the first part of the montage is just him fighting. Right. They're giving him weapons. Right. They're giving him bigger and better weapons. Right. But once they see that he's becoming like this yeah. skilled natural killer, then that's they when they him. start training him. They take him to like the sword master. Right. And they're like this dude's teaching him how to fight and wield a sword and all like that. It's a great, I mean, the montage is good. This movie is, if nothing else, is good with its montages. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, But, uh... I I need a montage. What's that song? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's just show it all and take too long. I need a montage, or I want a montage. (laughs) So, 
now is though when it gets a little weird because they're like also teaching Conan like culture. They got him like teaching him to read and write and stuff like this, but they also keep him in a cage and they're like bringing women to him. Yeah. And they got that voiceover from Mako like saying he was bred to the finest stock. Yeah. And this is just a weird, uncomfortable kind of scene, right? Uh, no. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'll okay. tell you why I say that because I don't think it's weird in the context of the movie. Like to me, it makes perfect sense in the movie in like, the world that in the, the world that they live in yeah yeah um he I, I but i don't understand like he's definitely like a slave right am i am i wrong it in saying seems that like that but i feel but like he's treated is better he giving than these women like is kind of seems like a reward for well, him I, or is it a reward or are they literally breeding him like they would like a horse i guess you I mean, know like a little bit of both probably yeah and are they like saying that we're going to breed him to the best stock and then if he does produce a child that we'll take that child and make that child into the greatest mm-hmm. warrior ever I, I mean they don't expand on that part like it yeah i guess you're right maybe maybe that was a reward for him i mean it, it, he probably enjoyed it but oh, i'm sure he, this sure he woman did. though was clearly scared when they brought her in so that makes it just sort of like awkward to watch i'm sure she was like some village that had been captured and exactly, one of the girls yeah, from like the village the one and they the just best looking or the most athletic or whatever it is yeah so basically he raped this chick right well, so it was kind of weird because he, you know, he takes the blanket and he wraps a blanket around her like it's okay. But then like five seconds later, he's taking the blanket back off her and laying her down. So she, and she looks petrified the, she did like, look the entire time. Like, I get the feeling Conan like felt protective over her. But at the same time, that doesn't make it any like cooler for her, you know? Yeah. And, and is it weird that all those because he's so, I, so in the scene, particular scene it comes off as if that's the first time they've done that, right? Like, I think so. Because if like it had been like the fifth time, he would have been like, oh, get in here. I know and what let's, I'm doing Yeah, now. let's, let's yeah. do this. So um, isn't it weird that they're watching him Yeah, do there's this? like a, a crowd of dudes like, watching. Like, what's the, if it's a reward, if it's I mean, like literally a reward for him, then why would they watch? Like, yeah, to me, know. They didn't have TV back then, so <laughs> it's like entertainment for the guys. <laughs> They did have the uh, the warrior games, though. Yeah. So, like, it, to me, if it was an actual reward, then they would have just dropped off this girl and, and let him be, right? Yeah. But I personally think well, that I, it they was a little Well, they want to make sure bit... that he does the deed, maybe, because I assume that whoever owns the woman is, like, paying for this. Man, yeah, I, I think it was probably both. I think it was part like when breeding. when you're reading a racehorse, it's like yeah. you're paying a stud fee or whatever. I yeah, yeah, Something yeah. like that. What, yeah, I was about to say something really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do it. <laughs> yeah, you know how they breed horses and they yeah. have to... <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, uh, now they got Conan. He's like sitting up on top of a table and everyone's sort of crowded around him. And that's when they're like going over their philosophy or whatever. And that, he asked him, what is best in life? And Conan, like these other guys are saying, I guess, the wrong answer. And they're like, Conan, what is best in life? And he says, to crush your enemies... See them driven before you and to hear the lamentation of the women. Now, this is, without a doubt, the most famous line from this whole movie. Yeah, and that's hardcore, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, whenever I think of this, whenever anybody normally thinks of this movie, this is the first thing that pops in their head. To me, that's what I first think of, right? And this was Arnold's first line of dialogue in the whole movie. Yeah, it was, yeah. That's crazy. We're like 30 minutes in, maybe, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think maybe that's because Arnold couldn't speak good English. <laughs> like, of I mean, course, not Arnold, yeah. but uh, yeah, Arnold, Arnold couldn't speak. Yeah. So they were, I wonder how many takes they did of that actual oh, line. If you look at the whole movie, he probably doesn't say, he probably has one of the, the fewest amounts of lines of any of the main actors in it. I think, I think Arnold early in his career was really famous for like 
saying like 10 words and getting mm-hmm. paid like 10 million dollars he barely talked in terminator yeah like he said like five or six things in terminator and probably got paid like three million dollars for that movie or however much i don't know so now that red bearded red haired dude who took him off the wheel one night he just sort of sets him free so now i don't know if he sets him free or if he just got shit faced and was like ah i love you so much you're the greatest thing in the world you're free and then he woke up the next morning and was like ah what did i do i could see him feeling like he'd grown attached to conan and would hate to see him die and that goes back into the whole father figure like him yeah. looking a lot like his his yeah. dad you know but what's weird is that conan seems like he doesn't want to go it's like you know in like a white fang or something where you're trying yeah. to turn the wild animal loose yeah, like, like a trained dog and he doesn't want to go yeah like that's all he's ever known his whole life is well not his whole life but that's all he's known for oh, how long do you think he was with that guy like I don't, it, it, he obviously was to me a couple years but he wasn't with him as long as he was on on the wheel right no, no. so um and he never at any point was like trying to escape any of that stuff right like he was never trying to escape the no. wheel he was never trying to escape well. his yeah so this is the life he knew. So why would he want to leave? You know what? And I mentioned earlier the wheel medallion that he's wearing. Like he wears that medallion almost for the whole rest of the movie. So I think that he thought fondly of those people in yeah. that time. The fact that he set him loose in the middle of the night makes me think that the rest of the gang wasn't in on it. No, oh, he was like he I was think drunk. He was either letting him go on his own like a loose cannon, or like you say, he regretted it. No, I'm like, telling you, he was like he was drunk. <laughs> And he was like, ah. So, well, then, then we got like Conan running in the wilderness being chased by dogs. Mm-hmm. So do you think they sent the dogs to try to track him down? No, I think that was. It was like wild dogs. I think it was wild just wild dogs. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think that was just, that was another, that was another one of those signs of like nature versus nurture. Like, you know, they threw him in a pit and he had to just acclimate to the pit right so yeah. this is him being thrown into nature and he just had to acclimate to, to nature um yeah i don't think they were so, seeking him because they, they would have had a scene i think where they would have had like a couple of guys chasing let them loose yeah, yeah if they were doing that so a little behind the scenes like these dogs that they were using in the movie were not well trained <laughs> you know like they so like they, say, dog. they sound like they said they attacked the handler on the set and also they said that uh arnold got like he was a little too slow climbing up on the rocks on one take and they bit him and they had a on a on some footage that was lit, removed from the thing like you can see him jump and kind of grab him by the butt or on his leg or something like that and you hear Arnold say like god damn it <laughs> it's funny you gotta man I love those like early like 80 those 70s 80s it's like gorilla style plus yeah. this was a macho movie where they're like oh come on Arnold you can do this stunt yeah. yourself you know like they were all doing their own stunts and everything like this they is had to get stitches before. for that yeah I'm saying like this is his first movie they were like ah suck you it do up it you yourself, know buddy. yeah so then he he's, these wolves have him cornered and then he takes shelter down in this cave Right. And um, that actually will take us to the end of this episode. So we'll, we'll be back next time with a whole lot more about this wonderful movie, Conan the Barbarian. All right. See you later.